If you don't have an email list, then you don't have a direct line to your customers. Reaching your clients, audience, supporters, and fans with the right message at the right time in the right place becomes easy when you've got a strategic email list in place. My email list is the number one way I drive profits in my business. And major bonus here, it's a lot easier and way more fun than you might think. That's why I'm teaching a free live workshop all about growing your email list called From Zero Subscribers or Zero Strategy to an Engaged Email List That Lasts. I'll show you how to kick off your email list building strategy with no fear because I know it can be scary to start something new in your business. Save your virtual seat at growanemaillist.com. Inside of my free live workshop, you'll learn why email marketing is 10 times more effective than posting on social media, my secret to sending out weekly emails without adding a ton of work to my plate, my best tips for getting people to hit subscribe, and what to actually say to them to convert them from subscribers to paying clients and customers. Save your seat now at growanemaillist.com. That's growanemaillist.com to get started with an email list strategy that drives real results. I'll see you at the masterclass. You're listening to the Gold Digger podcast, episode number 196. Jamie Grace is a two-time Grammy-nominated singer, songwriter, musician, and actress based in Los Angeles, California. Diagnosed with Tourette syndrome, ADHD, OCD, and anxiety at the age of 11, she navigated life on her own terms with a streak of resilience and dedication that is well beyond her years. When Jamie Grace was 14, she created a YouTube channel for her music and for I'm a Fighter, her platform, which garnered the attention of record labels and producers. At age 19, she was nominated for a Grammy Award, Billboard Award, and multiple Dove Awards, where she went home as a Dove Awards New Artist of the Year. At just 25 years old, now independent artist Jamie Grace has four number one radio singles, many nominations as a singer-songwriter, and millions of views on her weekly YouTube videos. Through her words and music, Jamie Grace has encouraged millions who struggle with belonging, mental illness, feeling alone, and so many other challenging facets of life. She has become a voice that speaks truth, speaks vulnerably, and creates community in one of the most pure ways I have ever seen. Today, Jamie is going to teach us how to speak authentically, how to share our struggles with others, embrace our own stories, and ultimately move forward into our best selves. I am so excited about this time with Jamie Grace. And in this episode, we reference her sister, Morgan Harper Nichols, who is on episode 158. So if you missed that, you can hear that episode back at 158. But for now, let's tune on in as we hear from Jamie Grace. Now, before we dive in, I want to go through the review of the week, which is from Tessa GA12. It says, Jenna is my spirit animal. You guys, Jenna's podcast is literally the best, and it is really my only go-to that I'm sure to listen in often. Let's be real. I'm a busy mom of three and a girl boss, and I don't have a lot of free time. Whether I'm in the car, working at my desk, this content is amazingly helpful and easy to listen to no matter what I'm doing. I will say I prefer to listen at my desk so that I can take notes because the content is stuff you want to digest, remember, and implement. Thanks, friend, for this amazing podcast. You are the best. Thank you so much, Tessa, for taking the time to write this review. And guys, if you have a minute, all you can do to help a sister out, to help us keep this content coming at you each week and to get amazing, amazing guests like Jamie Grace on the show. Would you take a second to leave a review? It sincerely helps. And I know I say it every week, but I read every single one of them. So without further ado, let's welcome Jamie Grace to the Gold Digger podcast. And you guys are in for a major treat. You're listening to the Gold Digger podcast, where we firmly believe that work doesn't have to feel like work. Self-made millionaire and marketing guru Jenna Kutcher will help you redefine what success looks like. It's time to hear from the experts, listen in on honest conversations, and learn the best tips and tricks that helped others pave their own way and craft their dream career. If you're ready to dig in, do the work, and tackle your biggest goals, you're in the right place. Here's your host, educator, photographer, and mac and cheese lover, Jenna Kutcher. All right. Well, let's do this. So welcome to the show, Jamie Grace. Thank you so much. I'm like such a super fan. This is exciting for me. (laughs) 
Well, same goes for you. So first things first, for those who don't know who you are, will you share a little bit about who Jamie Grace is, how your path has unfolded and what your journey has looked like to get to where you are today? Most definitely. So yeah, I was named, I was given two names at birth because I'm my family's very Southern, so Jamie Grace. <laughs> it's my first and middle name, but I, I've always introduced myself as both because I've always liked going by both. And I was born in Los Angeles, my mom and my dad, and then I have an older sister, Morgan, who was on your podcast. And then we moved to Atlanta, Georgia when I was about one year old. And I grew up in church. I grew up singing in church. I just grew up like with a lot of joy in our home. That's one thing that I've always been really grateful for. There's so much joy in our home. Even this morning, I was on the phone with my mom for like half an hour and we the whole conversation was just like us laughing and yelling over trying to like, in a good way, not bad yelling, but like trying to like, we both had so many stories to tell each other. So it was like, but have you heard of this? And so that's just like the joy that we grew up with in our home. And I was really grateful for that because honestly, outside of our home, I wasn't always presented with that kind of joy. I was bullied a lot growing up for, you know, for, it was, it started with just kind of passive verbal kind of picking on kid kind of stuff, you know, being homeschooled. It was kind of like, Oh, where's your prom in your living room, that kind of stuff. And then, <laughs> and it was kind of, then it kind of turned into like my sister and I, we were the pastor's kids. So it kind of turned into like not getting invited to go anywhere. Cause it was like, well, we don't want the homeschooled pastor's kids there. And then it was a lot of, you know, being two black girls in the South and loving cowboy boots and bolo ties. And that was kind of like, oh, well, you're weird. You talk weird. You you dress weird. You listen to weird music. So it just like we were, we're always very different. And at home, we were always so encouraged to be different. And our differences were so embraced. And our creativity was just very cultivated. But it was like the second we stepped out of the home, we had to be on guard because it was like we didn't know who would think we were cool and quirky and who would think we were just total losers. <laughs> and so um, it really forced this kind of fairly, really close knit bond with our family and especially with Morgan and I as sisters. And that really came in handy when I was like about nine years old and I started to get sick. I started to just have a lot, a lot, well, I always had different health complications growing up, but when I was nine, everything really kind of hit the fan. And then when I was 11 years old, I received a formal diagnosis of Tourette syndrome, OCD, ADHD, and anxiety. And it just was, it was like, I mean, I, I kind of laugh about it now because I realized like the only way to get through my insane life is to have joy, but is like to be the absolute weird kid and then be like, here's an involuntary movement disorder. Have fun. It was like, thanks guys. And, you know, I thought that Tourette syndrome was kind of like the condition you get and then you get medicine for it. You know, I, I grew up with asthma and allergies. And so you have an inhaler, you take Claritin, you know, everything's better now. But I quickly realized that Tourette syndrome really didn't have a cure. So essentially what it is, it's, it's a movement disorder, a tick disorder where because of the way your brain is wired, you make movements and sounds you cannot control called ticks. And they're very repetitive and sometimes can be loud and are visually very obvious and significant. And so from ages nine to 15, I was very heavily medicated and hospitalized frequently and kind of bedridden a lot because of the severity of a lot of my tics. Walking became a challenge. Talking became a challenge. Academics became a challenge. So I stopped going to school for about a year. I didn't really hang out with a lot of kids because I was really insecure or I was picked on for hanging out with them. And so I went through a pretty heavy amount of like withdrawal and just not wanting to be around anybody. But then also like if I tried, it wasn't really successful anyway. So yeah, I really just, I mean, when I was about 14 or 15 years old, I really started to kind of come out of this depression, honestly, and out of what I was going through because I just kind of started to realize like, like, I mean, like don't get me wrong, like I'm a person of faith. And so like, I believe that God is super awesome. And I believe that sometimes he uses doctors to fix things and he uses, you know, miracles. I believe in all that stuff. But at the same time, like I'm sitting there at 14, 15 years old with no answer to my desperate prayers. And I had to kind of realize that like, I had to really kind of accept like life isn't perfect. And maybe just maybe that it's not about always asking for the healing that I want, but it's about living through the pain that I have and finding joy in that. And so I started trying to do that because I was kind of desperate and like, why not? You know, might as well try something new. <laughs> and so I just started trying to have joy, even in the middle of my pain, just to see if it worked. And it did. It wasn't like an overnight, look at me, I'm happy with threats. But it was kind of like a, 
I don't know. It was like this realization, this moment where I was like, man, like I still do have Tourette syndrome. I still have this stuff, but I can still laugh. I can still have joy. I may not have a lot of friends, but I have a sister and just like trying to find the good things in my life, even though it felt like everything was falling apart. And even though it felt like I didn't have a lot of good in my life. And so, you know, like I said, when I was growing up, everything was full of joy. It was full of music. It was full of singing. And so I started to revisit those things and I started to figure out, okay, what are my dreams? What do I desire out of this world? And and what can I, I don't know, like how can I be used to share this kind of newfound joy in pain? Because for the longest time, I thought that joy was only found outside of pain or found after pain. But I started to realize that I could find joy in my pain. And I wanted to share that with other people. And so when I was 14 years old, I, I created a YouTube channel and I started making videos. And I just, my plan was to just share joy with people. And so I started putting videos up each video, you know, I was incredibly famous. I got like a hundred views a video, um, you know, it's hard on these streets being a hustler. And then when I was 17, I was discovered by a kid's TV show called I shine when I did their TV show and their tour. When I was 18, I was discovered by a tour called the Revolve Tour, a part of a ministry called Women of Faith based out of Dallas, Texas, that toured for about 15 years. And so I did a couple of tours with them as their youngest speaker ever or whatever, or youngest female speaker, I think. And then when I was 19, I was on a record label. I did two albums with them. And then I became independent in 2016. And so now, like literally for the last 12 years, my, well, for nine years, it's been my full-time job, but for 12 years, like my goal is to just wake up and figure out, okay, how can I share joy with people today? And for the most part, that's touring. I have another album that just came out and I sing and play guitar for a living. That's my full-time job. And then, but I also make YouTube videos and make podcast episodes. I host workshops randomly here and there. My sister got me really into that. And honestly, it's just, I just want to like share the joy that I found in the midst of my pain. I just want to share that joy with other people. And I just feel really blessed that I get to wake up and do that every day. I love that. And I think what you said was so powerful. And I think something that so many of us learn in life is that joy and pain can coexist. And like you said, I feel like we're kind of taught that they're like compartmentalized and like they can't share space. And so I know like with our miscarriages, we just learned so much of that. Like you can still find joy even in those crazy, crazy seasons. And I think it takes a lot more work to show up. Don't you agree? Oh, for sure. Like it, it's so easy to just think, well, once the pain's over, then I'll be happy. You know, one, or once I get this, then I'll be happy. Or once I, once I accomplish this, then I'll find joy or then I'll feel satisfied. But then it's a lot harder to say, well, what if I just choose joy? Like what if I process joy as something that is ever present and has never left and I have to choose it? Then it's like, oh man, I got to do work. But it's like, <laughs> but when you choose to accept it, it's just, it, then it brings about a peace that's just incredible. And I mean, as someone with anxiety, like peace is like something that is so coveted. And so it's like the things that, like joy doesn't just exist by itself. Once you have joy, then you start to have peace and then you start to develop passion for other things. And it's just this really cool, like domino effect of all the, I don't know. It just, this sounds so cliche, but it's just like a domino effect of changing your life. And it's really, it's really quite fascinating. I love it. Hey, gold diggers. Lately, I've been getting excited to finish furnishing our new home, which is why I want to tell you about a brand that we absolutely love, which is Article. I have been a fan and a customer of Article for years. I'm always blown away by the curated assortment of furniture styles they offer. They have mid-century modern, coastal, industrial, Scandinavian, and even boho designs. There is something for everyone, no matter your taste. In our last house, we had their sofa and leather chairs. At our lake house, we have their dining table and chairs. We also just ordered some of their outdoor furniture for our new patio. Like, if you can't tell, we are obsessed with Article. The quality and style are top-notch. Article's online-only model means that they can offer some great prices with fast and hassle-free delivery. Pick the delivery time that works for you, and they keep you updated every step of the way. Article's customer is also amazing. They're knowledgeable, friendly, and always there when you need them. If you're like me and you're itching to give your home a makeover, I highly recommend checking out Article. They believe in delightful design for every home. And thanks to their commitment to style, quality, and affordability, it's never been easier to transform your space. 
Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. To claim, visit article.com slash gold digger and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash gold digger for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. Gold diggers, we all know the B2B landscape can be a bit complex. From lengthy buying cycles to complicated decision-making processes, reaching your target audience can be tough. But I found a solution tailored just for you. LinkedIn ads. A whopping 79% of B2B content marketers say LinkedIn produces the best results for paid media. That's because with LinkedIn ads, you're not just casting a wide net and hoping for the best. You're strategically building relationships and driving real results. We're talking about a platform with over a billion members, including 180 million senior level executives and 10 million C-level executives. You are networking with the actual decision makers. And LinkedIn's targeting and measurement tools are specifically designed for B2B marketers, meaning you're not wasting time or money on irrelevant leads. In fact, in the tech industry, LinkedIn ads have been shown to generate two to five times higher return on ad spend compared to other social media platforms. Using LinkedIn ads allows you to stay ahead of the curve when it comes to industry trends and developments, whether it's finding the perfect partner for a collaboration or uncovering new opportunities for growth, LinkedIn can be your secret weapon. Make B2B marketing everything it can be and get a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash goal to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash goal. Terms and conditions apply. You breeze over the fact that you go on tours and your musical journey. Can you share a little bit more about that? Because it is incredible and fascinating and it is not to be summed up in just one sentence. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So um, my mom sings, you know, she traveled a little bit singing, but when she started homeschooling my sister and I, she really kind of stopped singing, but, or stopped touring rather than singing. But yeah, like I, I started singing when I was little and I was just really excited about it. And then my sister was always writing songs when we were like in high school. And then I was kind of like, well, I want to, you know, try this whole writing songs thing. And so I started writing songs, like and posting them on my YouTube channel when I was like 15, 16, 17. And there was this one song that I, I wrote called Hold Me and I shared it online. And, you know, it was like really cool. There's this one website called Tommy Too, and they mostly do they mostly share content for the like young adult audience. So they do a lot of interviews with like the Disney channel artists and stuff like that. I remember Tommy too, like shared my song, hold me on their website. And I was like, mama, I made it. (laughs) So that was like really exciting for me. And then when I was 19, I had the opportunity to like professionally record my song, hold me and got nominated for a Grammy when I was 19. And that kind of, and then it went number one on contemporary Christian radio, but then it also crossed over into the mainstream market for like Bell commercials and Dell commercials, like the laptops and stuff. And it just like turned into this insane domino effect of like, who's this 19 year old and what's she going to do next? And it was Mm -hmm. a really incredible privilege. And so I just kept writing songs and kept sharing songs. And then I ended up with another like number one song called Beautiful Day. And that one ended up crossing over into gospel radio, which was really cool because I mean, like just being real, like it's just really cool to be able to have like a song that is not just in a predominantly Caucasian listener market, but also is in a predominantly black people listener market. And I didn't say that politically correct at all, but like, okay, (laughs) just for clarification, anyone listening, I'm black, so I can say it like that. But yeah, it's like, it's just like really cool because a lot of times like our culture likes to present this mindset that we're so divided. And so just the privilege of being able to write a song and to share it that was accepted by both markets so well, and has brought so many people together, even speaking of race and culture was just a really incredible privilege. And so, so yeah, I mean, that's what I do all the time now. I, I went on my first tour at 17 and I just, I just travel and sing songs and I just keep writing them and creating them and sharing them. And my, um, yeah. Okay. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) I love you. This is amazing. No, I mean, okay. My question for you is totally off script, but I just feel like you've been through so much in some really, really critical years. And like, there had to just be a lot of pressure, a lot of hard times, a lot of like finding your identity. What was that like? Because 
a lot of people I feel like see these kind of moments or this success later in life, but this happened for you at such a crazy time. So can you kind of walk me through a little bit of what that looked like? Yeah. You just mean like kind of, I guess, growing up in the business world, you mean, or like, yeah, and just making those decisions and having almost like a big break. And then it's like, what's next for you and deciphering all of that. Yeah. I mean, it was interesting because it was definitely very terrifying in a way to be like, so I started college at 16. And so to be like in my college dorm on a Tuesday, getting ready for a final. And then the next day driving to Nashville to record an album, which I didn't even have my driver's license until I was almost 18. So I had to like get like pay friends at college. Be like, Hey, can you drive me to Nashville? For the- I'm from Atlanta, <laughs> by the way. So I'd be like, <laughs> I'd be like, look, can you drive me four hours to Nashville? I'll pay for your gas and I'll pay for the hotel <laughs> so I can record an album, but I can't pay for your gas going back home. Like, you know, like just trying <laughs> to like figure out how in the world do I have this? And when I was 19, I, I was the dub or maybe been 20, but I was the Devil Awards New Artist of the Year, which the Devil Awards is essentially the inspirational or Christian music equivalent to the Grammy Awards. And so I was nominated for New Artist of the Year and I, I won. And after I you know, did the speech or whatever, you go off stage and they ask you in the back, like, okay, what's next for you? What are you going to do next? And the, literally the only thing I could think was like, y'all, I have finals next week. Like, <laughs> like I'm not, I can't even go to the after party because I have to go study so that I can try to get my degree, which I did. I was happy about that. But yeah, I mean, it was, it was very interesting and very odd, but to be honest, it's almost like you don't, you don't really know anything different. Like I think it's harder now, like the older I get and I have conversations with friends and I don't know, you, you start to just, you start to realize that going back to the whole joy thing, like your joy has to be from something greater than your career and greater than your friendships and greater than your job and greater than your paycheck and greater than your family structure. Like your joy has to come from a much greater source because as much as I loved the way that my childhood and my teen years and early 20s panned out, and as much as I know that I wouldn't have the career that I have today without those incredible experiences, I didn't all of a sudden become the cool kid. Like I wasn't all of a sudden like invited to everything and fitting in everywhere. It was just all of the childhood craziness that I went through. I mean, it was honestly just magnified on a completely different scale. Like, yes, there of course were some people that like, you know, want to be your friend all of a sudden because you're on the radio or something. And I still randomly get DMs from people like, Oh my gosh, I haven't seen you since college. And I'm like, <laughs> like you were not sitting with me in college. You thought I was lame in college. Like, go away. <laughs> like peace be with you, but I, I can't do this right now. So of course there's situations like that. But I mean, at the same time, like I just, I didn't necessarily have the opportunity to have a very normal, a normal anything. My dating life was far from normal. And so now that I'm married, like I'm, I'm glad because I didn't want any of those guys anyway, but it's like, that was difficult for me at the time. It's like, you struggle with like, okay, are these people around for the right reasons or the wrong reasons? My social life became really difficult because, and I know that this sounds like, this sounds like I'm complaining about the worst stuff possible, but I'm just being real with you here. It's difficult at 19 or 20 years old to be financially stable for like those reasons, like music reasons. And then like, when you go out to dinner with friends, like I remember once like offering to pay for dinner because I wanted to just do something nice for my friends. And it completely came back and bit me in the butt. And it was, oh, you think that you can pay, you think we need you to pay for us. And oh, you think that just because this. And so it was actually really hard. Like, and it was really like, it was hard being at home and trying to like prove to people that I was still normal and that I was still me. But then it was also hard being on the road and like, being the different kid, like one major thing, I don't drink alcohol, which I have friends that drink alcohol. I'm like, Mm -hmm. if you're going to get a glass of wine up to dinner, I'm not going to say anything. Like I'm 26 years old. (laughs) Drink your glass of wine. We're like, we're at Applebee's guys. Come on. (laughs) I also love that. That's the bougiest thing I could think of. Um, But like, it is hard. Like, I mean, just watch the news for five minutes and try to imagine what it's like to be on tour. Mm -hmm. And it's, it is hard. Like when you don't want to go out to a party after a show or when you're not the one drinking after a show or when, you know, 
you're like, I don't write inspirational music because it sells. I write it because it's what I believe in. And then it's like, okay, like, who do you think you are? And so I didn't, I think, I don't know. I think I did have a little bit of expectation of like, I had a hopeful expectation that doing all of that stuff full time at 19, 20, 21 years old, that it would kind of create this environment of like home and that it would, I would finally feel like I belonged. But honestly, like, there are moments like that for sure, but it just became more and more prevalent to me that my joy could not be found anywhere but in my faith and in my creator. And so that was good because it pushed me back to the source and it pushed me back to that childhood faith, that childlike faith. But it was very hard growing up in in the limelight, I guess, if you could say. And it makes me have, even though it was really hard, it, I'm grateful for it because it, it gives me a sensitivity um, for people like Demi Lovato. Um, and Miley Cyrus. And because I, I imagine if I went through what I went through on the scale that I went through, then I can only imagine what they must be going through with 10 times as many Instagram followers and 10 times as many people following them and, you know, criticizing their every move. And yeah, it's hard uh, not to be like a womp womp, but it's, <laughs> it's not like a, it's not a walk in the park to, to grow up with your whole life under a microscope and when you're at home and when you're on the road. But I'm just grateful for my faith and my family and for kind of keeping me level-headed. I'm so glad I asked that because I think so often too, it's really easy, especially on podcasts when I'm interviewing such inspiring women who have these incredible stories. It's so easy to kind of gloss over those parts of it. And it's hard to talk about because you never want to be seen as ungrateful for all of the incredible sides. But on the adverse side, there is so much stuff that people will never understand. And I like, thank you for just sharing that because I know for me too, it's like really hard to make friends these days. And it's really hard to trust people's intentions. And it's really hard when you're pouring your heart out in an online community to be able to do the same in real life relationships. And so I understand 100%. So I'm curious about YouTube because, I mean, you're sharing all your music, you're sharing all these things, but then you started sharing messages on YouTube. And so can you kind of walk us through why you created your YouTube channel, kind of what purpose it served and what kind of things you are sharing on it? Yeah. Well, the why I created it and what I'm doing now, they're not super... They're not super different. It's just kind of like, I like to just remind people like, Hey, I was clinically diagnosed with ADHD. Like, let's just keep that as the forefront of all conversations. <laughs> but no, no, no. So I started it because like, I said, I had no friends. And I was just like, can somebody talk to me? And I, I just, I was just so hyped. Like when, when you experience joy out of pure, like when you're so deeply rooted in depression and fear and anxiety, and you experience a taste of joy. I mean, I guess maybe if you're an Enneagram seven, you just have to tell the world about it. And so that's what happened. Like that's, that's where it started. So my very first YouTube video was called I escaped from homeschool. And it was a sarcastic improv monologue where I created a character that saw the outside world for the first time after being homeschooled. So that was the first thing that I ever did. And then my, I think my next video was called What is Tourette Syndrome? And it was all about Tourette Syndrome. And then my next video, I think was like a Jonas Brothers cover. And so, so random, but it was all in the, when I look back now, I can see that my heart was just to share joy with other people. And when I was 19, 20, 21, I was uh, discouraged from the kind of talking vulnerable videos, if that makes sense. It wasn't my choice, but I was kind of, you know, it was recommended that I really focus only on my singing and that I make YouTube more of an occasional thing, which was hard for me, but I, I thought that that was what I was supposed to do. And so that's just kind of what I did. Um, but fortunately I've kind of in the last few years, I've gotten to really repost again. And there's like hundreds of insane videos of me doing all of the things out there. But <laughs> um, I just, when I was going through all of those difficult things of trying to figure out like how, do I find my confidence in who I am and not sound, you know, conceited and all stuff? Just like trying to, trying to learn how to be yourself, which is normal. And as when you're a teenager, um, I didn't really know how to express myself by writing songs. And so every song that I would write, when it would go out there, I would just get so many, like 
some really great responses and a lot of encouragement, but, um, a lot of also a lot of people were not so positive about it. And one of the things was that a lot of my songs, people said that they sounded like love songs and there was this kind of complexity with, if you are claiming to be a young woman of faith, then why are you, you know, singing these songs that sound like you're in love? And I think that that is like, and that was like the amount of emails I got like that. I mean, it was 10, 20 emails a day, just like tearing that apart. And it was really hard for me because I didn't grow up thinking that God was this like big, rigid, scary man in the sky. I grew up with an understanding that God is first and foremost love. And so for me, when I write songs that represent my faith and that represent who I am, I can't help but sing about love because I am really pumped about the fact that God is love. So that's what all my songs are coming from. But people made the assumption that just because I was a teenager in my early 20s that I was singing about a man or a boyfriend. And so then people started to ask, okay, well, then fine. Like, then where's this boyfriend of yours? And I'm like, well, I don't have one. They're like, well, why don't you have one? I'm like, because I don't have one. Like, And then they're like, well, why are you at the red carpet with your mom? Like, and all this stuff. And like, it just, I don't know why my dating life was everybody else's business, but people just got really fascinated by it. So I remember one day I was just annoyed with people like always sending me emails and always asking me questions and just always getting up in my business. So I just made a video called Boys, Boys, Boys. And I answered the question, this is why I'm single essentially. And the answer was because I, I want to be like, it wasn't like some big dramatic reveal of like, Oh, this is what my Tourette's did to me. It's like, I was like, no, like I, I knew at age 14 years old that I wanted to someday have a husband. And so when I was 14, I didn't want to have a boyfriend. Cause I'm like, I probably won't date the same guy from 14 to however old I'll be when I get married. Some people do that and that's super great. But I I knew that that I probably wouldn't do that. And so I was like, I'd rather just wait till I'm old enough to make some legit life decisions to start going on dates. And then when I got to that age, I just didn't like my options, just being honest. And so I just decided to not keep on dating people if I didn't want to be dating them. And so that's what that video Boys, Boys, Boys was about. Within a few like days, it had gotten like a hundred thousand views. And I started getting emails from like pastors saying, like, oh, we're using this in our girls' Bible study curriculum. And I'm like, what in the world? Like, this is not new information. Like, are you not teaching young women that it's okay to wait to go on a date? Like, are like are we just teaching them they have to just date around? Like, why is this this magical information? And so honestly, that's what has skyrocketed the last four to five years of my YouTube videos. Most of what I talk about is dating and relationships. And my podcast Waited Out is mostly about dating and relationships because I guess people were just really, I don't know, mesmerized by the fact that you could be 20 something years old and never been kissed and never held hands, but still desire it. But you're just not doing it because you're waiting for it. And that's okay. So yeah, there we go. I love that. On top of my many titles as mom, entrepreneur, and creative, I've also added host. Drew and I host on Airbnb on our favorite island in Hawaii. We started hosting as a way to make some extra income, and we've had such an easy breezy experience. Now we host year after year, and it's been a fantastic side hustle. Not to brag, but we've also been crowned Airbnb Superhost several times, so we are really killing the game. It's about having spaces we can enjoy as a family while creating memorable experiences for our guests, and it helps that we earn a little extra cash on the side. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I mean, I actually watched that video, so I know exactly what you're talking about. And I just think too that one of the things that I appreciate so much about all of the work that you do beyond just your music is that I think a lot of times the things that make us different are the things we're most likely to hide because we feel ashamed of them or we feel like we're different and it's not okay. And so can you share a little bit? Because I think that one of the things that I see, especially among women and men too, is that a lot of times the things that make us unique, that make us memorable, that would allow us to change a world are the things that we are coveting and like hiding. And you have just like stepped out and just kind of brought light to all of them. And so 
I mean, one, how hard was it to do that? Like the first time you spoke about Tourette's or mental illness or waiting to have sex or any of those things, like how did you kind of find the power to do that? And then what advice would you give for people that are kind of hiding those things and feeling like that different is not a good different? Yeah, you know, well, thank you, first of all. It's really nice. But a lot of it for me, like, I didn't really have the choice to hide what made me different. Like, my, like, because of the severity of my Tourette syndrome, if I stepped out of the house, like, you knew something was up. You know, it's either like, okay, there's some serious behavioral issues happening with that child or something I don't understand. And so I didn't really have the, the choice to hide being different. And so I think it, it forced me to either be really insecure about being different, which I did for a long time. And I occasionally just go back there to visit, or it forced me to just be incredibly bold about it and say, this is who I am. And there's absolutely nothing that is going to change it. And so I choose to be bold about it and I choose to share who I am. But then also I, you know, like most people, I, I love music and I have I have a lot of stories of certain songs that have changed my life and that have shaped my life, you know, and those songs that I, that I really like and that I really enjoy, they're typically not songs that say I went to the park and it was fun. You know, it's, (laughs) it's songs where it's like the lyrics are telling a story and the lyrics go deep and it's relatable and, and it reaches me in a way that I don't, that I didn't think a song ever could. And it makes me go, Whoa, there's no way that they know how I'm feeling. Like it must mean that I'm not alone. And so hearing other people's stories and being impacted by other people's stories, just very, just gave it a very natural ability for me to be like, well, man, if, if their words can change my life and if, if their vulnerability can make me feel like I'm not alone, then I wonder what, what my story could do. And, and it wasn't so much about, I wonder how many people I could reach. It was just, I wonder if I could reach someone. And I remember when I put that escape from homeschool video out there, the very first video that I made, that was the main thing is that other homeschool kids were like, oh my goodness, people pick on me all the time. Like, it's so cool to know that there's another homeschooler out there that, you know, that isn't hiding in a box all day, you know, like, like, thank you for speaking up. And then when I did the video called what is Tourette's syndrome, I started getting, I mean, I was 14, 15 years old making these videos. I have no degree. I'm just talking about my experiences at this point. And I would get emails from moms whose children have Tourette syndrome or Asperger's or OCD. And they would start to say, thank you for making that video because now I understand my child. And then when I would do a Jonas Brothers cover, you know, at the end of the video, I would just talk for like a minute why I liked the song and why I chose the song and why I related to it or why maybe change the lyric to relate to it more. And people will comment and say, oh, I get that. I understand that. Or I connected with this. And so I started to realize like, man, everything you say has power. Like everything you do has power. Like it doesn't matter if you have a microphone or not. If you have 10 million Instagram followers or nine Instagram followers, like that's nine people whose lives are like being impacted. And maybe it's just two people because the other seven just double tapped it without actually caring. But like that's two people whose lives are being impacted. And it's it's so easy to, despite small beginnings, it's so easy to to overlook the impact that our words might have. But it's like, I mean, all of us, I know this sounds so cheesy and cliche, but it's so factual. It's like all of us have the power to make an impact on someone's life by an encouraging word or even an encouraging smile. And so when you think about the fact that like, it's so easy to think that our world is crumbling, but it's, if everyone in this world was just trying to do at least one thing a day to make an impact, a positive impact on someone else's life, like it could literally just change everything. It could change the entire trajectory of of everything. And so that's, I don't know, it just, it almost, it almost becomes a burden for me, which then we get on the anxiety train and I have to go hide away for a while, but it almost becomes like a burden to me because I'm just like, man, like what if my words can make a difference? Like what if my song can make a difference? Like what if I never chart at radio again, but what if this song gets 10 views on YouTube? And what if one of those 10 views was a little girl who was contemplating taking her life, but now she sees joy and now her life has changed. Like it just, I don't know. I, I almost just, well, like now I just can't shut up because I just get so pumped. About no, I, I'm with you. And <laughs> I think that that's like the true power. I know like people have asked, you know, like, how do you grow? And it's like, I think you grow so much more 
from sharing those things that can truly connect you to other people's hearts than just their eyes. You know, it's like this striving to be perfect and stuff. Like I don't connect with perfect because my life looks so far from it. And I think that with Instagram and, you know, all these things, it's like people are looking at these feeds that are just not even remotely close to real. And I kind of want to ask because, I mean, you talk about anxiety and mental illness and and all of that. And, and I have sensed this just trend, especially with people with platforms and women who are, you know, setting out to change the world and people like that are starting businesses. I mean, just this trend in being a little bit more vocal about mental illness, but also that so many of us struggle. Do you like have any tips for people that are kind of in this space of just feeling alone or feeling anxious or feeling overwhelmed or feeling depressed? Because I think you've walked through almost all of those pieces. Oh, for sure. I, I like to walk through them often. <laughs> Sarcasm, but yes. <laughs> right. I'm just like, let me just revisit so I don't forget how good God is, <laughs> which is not actually something I don't go seek out this so no one <laughs> listening thinks I'm crazy, crazy by choice rather. But yeah, like, my dad, and I think Morgan shared this in your in y'all's episode together, so sorry, but it's just so good because we both like remind each other of it so often. But our dad used to say to us when we were growing up, you are not an island unto yourself. And that was like the most, one of the, well, one of the many powerful things that he and my mom have graciously, you know, kind of engraved in our, in our hearts and minds, because that helps me on so many different levels. Like when I'm doing great, you know, when I feel like I'm going to take over the world, you know, and I'm like, Oh, like, look at me, I'm going to change the whole world with this new YouTube video that got seven views. Like when I feel like really pumped about something and like really passionate about something, it's really good for me to remember that I'm not an island into myself because it, it helps me to know like these great and encouraging things that I'm going to share, they're going to impact someone else and they're going to, you know, be a part of someone else's life. This is not just something that I'm doing for Jamie. Like I, that's something that I always remind myself. The second I share my content with at least one person, I'm now doing an act of service. This is no longer about me. It's about that one person. And then it just goes on and on. So that it helps me in a positive context, but it also helps me when I'm not feeling so positive as well. I have anxiety of, I know what panic attacks are and then, and I, I know what stress is and, and I know what those moments are like. And so remembering those words, you're not an island into yourself really helped me in a when I'm not feeling so positive either, because it's very easy for me. My natural response is to hide away, is to shut everyone else out, sometimes order pizza and just like cry and just be alone and just really isolate myself. I, that's just what I usually want to do. And that's something that is just, I don't know, it's far from healthy and I think we should talk about what we're going through, whether it's with a mentor or a counselor or a pastor or a friend. We have to remember that we're not an island to ourselves. And that's one of the main ways that I've been able to kind of combat and overcome significant moments of anxiety in my life. When I was growing up, you know, my, my parents always made sure that I wasn't alone. And like, yeah, we, we understand that alone time is a thing. But at the same time, like if you're dealing with severe anxiety, I mean, I, I dealt with suicidal thoughts in middle and high school. And so if you're like dealing with the severity of those kinds of things, like you, there are moments where you should not be alone. And it takes people in our lives. For me, it's my, it was my parents and my sister. It takes people in our lives that are able to recognize those moments and that are able to say, you're not going to be alone right now. Like that's not an option. And for for us on the other end, the one struggling with anxiety, we can get angry, we can get mad, but we need people in our life that are not going to be yes men, that are not going to say, oh, well, she wants to be by herself and cry for 72 hours. Like, yeah, that's healthy. We need people in our lives that are going to break down those walls. They're not going to force us to talk everything out. They're not going to force us to fix everything right away. They're not going to, you know, force anything on us, but they're not going to allow us to retreat into isolation and self-hate and self-deprecation. And I'm grateful for that. But I will say that I'm learning an entirely new facet and element of that in marriage. <laughs> I've learned so much in the last three months, <laughs> but it's like, I remember like, I don't remember exactly when it was, but some sometime in our even newlier wed situation, because we've only been married three months and I was having a not so great anxiety moment. And I usually go to my room and close the door, <laughs> but I share a room now. <laughs> right? You're like, hi, honey. So, um, so I was like, oh, this is great. And it had nothing to do with him. It was just, it was me and my anxiety just having a moment. And I remember he came in the room 
and he, he sat there with me and I just kind of looked at him like, this is not cute. Like I would like to be loved right now. And I told him, I said, I just need you to know that I'm used to being alone when I feel mm-hmm. like this. And so he was, cause he was asking me what was wrong. And I was like, I said, I don't know how to answer your questions because I don't know what's wrong right now. And he just, like, he's never dealt with anybody with anxiety to the extent that I have, but somehow he just said the right things. And he said, okay, well, we don't have to talk about it, but if it's okay, I'd like to hold you till you're ready. And I was just like, okay, how are you so magical? And every person needs something different. I get that. But for me, like, I'm very much like, if I can just be held, then I'll likely be on a good road to be okay, like when I'm crying. And so he just sat there with me, didn't make me talk. He didn't talk. And I just cried it out until I was ready to talk. And so again, every person's different and every person's method is different. I mean, I've, I've had anxiety medication here and there. I've worked with different counselors here and there. I've worked with different pastors here and there. And every person's method is going to be different. But I think the main thing is to, for your village, for your people, whether that's one, two, three, four people, for those people that are the closest part of your circle, there needs to be a level of vulnerability where they are allowed to break down the wall that you put up the fastest and the highest. And they are allowed to step past that wall or break it down or peep around it, whatever they have to do to make sure that you're not alone in the moments where it's very easy to make incredibly poor choices by being alone and by isolating yourself. That like makes me get goosebumps just hearing that story because it's so true. Drew and I were laughing the other day because I had an event and I always just get stressed for like five minutes at any event, you know, where you're like, oh my God, what is happening? And I like called him and I was like, you left me and I'm carrying my bag and I'm sweating in the mall and I don't know where you are. And like, and we were just laughing afterwards because we're like, you know, why is it that we either like want to shut out the people we love the most or like tear them down when we're like in these states because we know they'll uh-huh. love us regardless. And I just think like right. what an example of true love and where he was like, I will find you. I will come get you. I will grab your bag. And I was like, oh my God, God bless you. I'm so glad I married you. But it is just so funny because it's like, you know, everyone handles things differently and everyone shows up differently in those seasons. But I mean, if you had to pick three words to describe your own personal mission right now for creating change, like what would those words be? Because when I think of you, you're just so multifaceted. Like you're, there's so much to Jamie Grace and the way that you're changing the world. But what three words would you use to describe your own personal mission right now? Yeah, I think the first one I would say would be passion because of if you're not passionate about something, just go take a nap and and revisit when you are, you know, and you know, you know, this word, we always talk about finding your why. And so like finding actually why you're doing something and the passion behind it. And the next second word I would say would be consistency. And that's a hard one for me because I feel like sometimes I'm all over the place, but (laughs) just figuring out like what, you know, with me, I'm like, okay, I go on tour and I make podcasts and I make videos and I do this. (laughs) Like, what is, what is the consistent thing? Like, what is the common thing about all of these things and what is the consistency there? And then sometimes the practicality of consistency can be like, okay, do I upload every Monday or do I post a blog every Thursday? You know, sometimes a little bit more practical, but I just like the word consistency a lot. And then the last one I would say would be planning, which being someone with OCD and we live in a two bedroom apartment, but I definitely have three dry race boards across this place. Planning is just my favorite thing. And I I like to plan, but planning, I think is multifaceted or or double faceted. I'm smart, but I think it would say like to like to plan and to not plan because yes, as much as I do plan sometimes when you're very passionate about something and you know, the consistency of like your brand or your heart or what it is that you do, sometimes you create content or you might share something that has nothing to do with the plan that you already had. So I say to always plan, but then I don't ever think it's, I don't think it's great to become so consumed with a plan that you lose the passion and you lose the heart behind what you're actually creating. That's brilliant and beautiful. What are you like excited about right now? Like what gets you out of bed and pumped up to just show up? What are things happening behind the scenes that nobody knows about? Fill us in. I want to know all the goods. 
for a second, I forgot this was a podcast and I'm like, <laughs> in my brain, like in my brain, we're kind of best friends yeah. and the answer I was going to give, I'm not sure you would have wanted it on your podcast. <laughs> but um, I kind of do. You, uh, okay. Well, when you said what gets you out of bed in the morning, I was like making out with my husband. Yeah. Like, <laughs> kind of the main thing. I'm like, wake up, wake up, wake up. I want to look at your face. So there's that. <laughs> there's, there's that. I also think food, Costco, but also like, I mean, just being real, because that really does feel my, just my brain. Church, that's a huge one where, you know, we've been visiting with friends here at Saddleback in LA and we like, we love that. Well, it's like an Orange County. We love that church. But honestly, just, I was, I was sharing a little bit with you. Like, I feel like to the outside world and to my friends, I do 8 million things. But for me, my life has been the exact same life for the last 12 years. It looks a little different on the outside, but it's the same in that I wake up every morning and I'm re- reminded that of the joy that I experienced and the joy that I have in my heart in the midst of the difficulties of my health and the difficulties of life. I'm reminded of that joy. And then I'm reminded that I get to walk across the hallway into my studio and figure out how I can share that joy with the world. And that is the most just exhilarating thing. And every day it's, it's very different. It's, you know, I have a a little schedule because I was, I, I realized that I was the most productive when I was in college. And Busy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you get like, you know, you get in trouble if you like skip a class and stuff. So I realized that. And so I created like a schedule for myself that kind of looks like my college schedule. And so like every day I just kind of look at my schedule. And I'm like, okay, like today I am doing like YouTube videos or tomorrow I'm going to be filming my husband's YouTube video stuff. And, you know, the next day I'm going to be editing a music video and the next day I'm going to be doing this. And it's just, I don't know. It's just so fun. Like I just get to, I get to read emails from people whose, whose lives are being changed and I get to be a part of that life change. And then I just get to wake up every day and do it all over again. And literally this morning I just became uh, certified to teach kickboxing. So I just, you know, just I just like to keep keeping busy it interesting <laughs> <laughs> because you don't you have do enough on your plate already. Oh my God. Dude, I just, I just missed class. Like I missed taking classes and I, <laughs> I graduated six years ago and I literally, I keep telling my sister, I'm like, I want to do it. I want to go back to school. So I started kickboxing like a year and a half ago and I decided to become certified and I passed my test. That is incredible. (laughs) Well, I need to go to the DMV and actually make my license legit that we moved states and I'm like nervous to take my driving (laughs) test thing again. So I got to study, girl. You're inspiring me right now. That's the worst. Oh, no, I'm not inspiring you. DMV is a whole nother situation. You are on your own. (laughs) So say a listener. No, you are hilarious. I I was like, Drew, is there a way you can like put a bug in my ear so you can like help me do this? We won't, we won't cheat the system. I promise. But my last question for you is this. So let's say a listener out there is just struggling, whether it's mental health or owning their story or a part of their story. What is the single best piece of advice that you just want to leave them with today? Yeah. You know, when I have those moments of like, of doubt and and fear and, and trying to recover from a setback, I just, I start to gravitate to other, you know, I start to gravitate to books and podcasts and, and videos that'll help me kind of, you know, get through and music that'll help me get through that part of my journey, you know? And I have a, a very, I feel like unorthodox piece of advice, but it's what's helped me. But I, I go and I, and, and I do this ironically, but I also do this when I'm trying to like write a song and I feel like I'm stuck or I'm trying to create a YouTube video and I can't think of any ideas. So any, literally anytime I feel stuck, I go and I listen to the things that I know will teach me something and I go and listen and I learn from them. So whether that's a podcast or that's the radio or that's, you know, Spotify or it's a book that I'll read or something, I go and I try to like gain as much information as I can. But then in a, not in an isolating way, but then I literally step away from all of it and I won't watch YouTube videos for a few days and I won't listen to anyone else's music for a few days. And I just spend time in like prayer and meditation and silence and really figuring out the core of who I am, if that makes sense. Because one thing that I think can unfortunately happen is, is allowing your, your joy and your hope to be dependent on someone else's or to be dependent on what someone else says that it should be. 
you know, it happens with Instagram all the time of like, you know, we just swipe and we slide through all day and it's like, oh my gosh, like they look so happy and you start to, you can start to feel like, oh yeah, I can be happy too. Like I read that caption and now I'm going to go change the world. And yeah, that's great. But what happens when it's just you and it's not you and that other person, or it's not what they said you should do. It's not the way that they recoup and, and recover and everything. So I know that might feel super backwards and weird, but it's something that's helped me a lot is like, it's great to learn. It's great to to gain information from the outside for sure. And that's, that's you know, kind of what keeps us rolling. But at the same time, like only you can truly, truly tell your own story and can truly, truly make an impact on your community. Like if someone's listening right now from Mobile, Alabama, like, or, you know, from Plano, Texas, or from San Diego, like, I don't know anything about those areas. Only you can impact your community. So as much as you might be inspired by my story or Jenna's story or my sister Morgan's story or anyone's story, like at the end of the day, it's like, what have you been called to do and who are you at the core and how can you make a difference and how can you make an impact and a change in your own life, but then in the lives of others as well. And sometimes that takes stepping away and stepping into the feared silence because then that's where your voice is actually heard. Oh, girl, that was so quotable. Like, we make t-shirts with that on it. I'm just trying to be as cool as my sister, okay? Oh, stop. I so hard. Oh, you are amazing. So where can everyone connect with you, listen to your podcast, watch your YouTube? Like, give us all the spots that we can be friends with Jamie Grace. I mean, Instagram, I feel like, is the thing. So I'm on Instagram at Jamie Grace, J-A-M-I-E-G-R-A-C-E-H. And then I have a podcast called Wait It Out. Then also, if you just type in my name on YouTube, Jamie Grace, then you'll see all those videos and you can subscribe there. The Googles have been very gracious to me. So if you forget all those things, just type in Jamie Grace <laughs> on the Google and, or ask Jeeves as well. And you can, you can <laughs> find me there. You can find me on all of those things. But yeah, like, and then too, Jenna, like, I just have to say like, thank you so much for just like being like who you are as a human and for like letting me be on your podcast. I, I already told you this, but like, I'm such a fan of who you are and like what you do. And when I got married a few months ago. Like I've been kickboxing for a year and a half, but I've literally never told anyone about it. I kept it a secret because I feel like once you start talking about fitness, then everybody expects you to like look a certain way. So I kept it a secret. I didn't want anybody to know that I was in the gym or anything because I was just really nervous about the expectations. And then I went and married a, a model and personal <laughs> trainer. So that was just great for my self-esteem. No, he's wonderful, but it just, it, it did cause me to like really pray about like, okay, how do you feel confident without feeling like you have to look like the personal trainer's wife? And so I started doing a lot of research and I came across your story and I just sat in my room crying and just like thanking God for sending me your story. And then my sister like texted me the next day and said she was going to be on your podcast and that y'all were <laughs> friends. And I was like, but she just changed my life. Oh. And so, yeah, thank you for just like being honest and vulnerable and for being you like you're so legit and cool and yes okay that's all did we just <laughs> become best friends yes okay yes. it's official i'm excited i know you've got i know you've got it. california babysitters just in case you ever need us oh i will be there and i already invited jamie over for a backyard concert because it's her main stage she's always dreamt about is the kutcher's yes. Duluth, Minnesota. <laughs> so when it happens you guys will be the first to know but jamie thank yes. you just for the way that you show up in the world, I know I'm just so inspired and encouraged by every message you send and challenged to just step in that our struggles don't have to be our entire story. They're just a piece of it that can connect us. So thank you for all you do. Oh, of course. Jamie entirely inspired me today, and I'm sure you're feeling the exact same way. There were so many incredible takeaways, things that I want to put to work in my own life and business. After we got off the air, we just talked about life and there's just so much power in true connection. And I sincerely believe, and I know Jamie believes it too, that connection can come from those places within us that feel impossible to be reached or that feel wrong with us. I feel like more connection comes from when we show up with our quote perceived flaws and all. 
I love that Jamie talks about how joy and sadness or pain or grief can coexist and how sometimes in those seasons, we just have to keep choosing joy, even when it is the most impossible choice. And I love the way that she continues to show up, whether one person is listening or one million. I think it's such a reminder for us that we have platforms and we have influence and it's important that we choose to use them well. And let's be honest, Jamie is hilarious. Like, I did not expect her to be as funny as she is. And I just can so relate to her. After we got off, we're both like, okay, we are the most socially awkward humans. Let's be friends. And so I'm just so thankful to get to hear voices like Jamie's on this show. If you guys enjoyed today's podcast, would you hop on over and just encourage Jamie? When we have these guests that show up, they are giving us their time, their talent, their insight. And I just want to make them feel loved and accepted in this community. And so hop on over to Gold Digger Podcast on Instagram. Let's share some love for Jamie Grace today. And until next time, Gold Diggers, keep on digging your biggest goals. Thanks for listening to the Gold Digger Podcast. Dive into the show notes for this episode and all past episodes at www.golddiggerpodcast.com. If you love the show, share it with a friend. The more the merrier. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time, you gold digger you. Hey, gold diggers. Lately, I've been getting excited to finish furnishing our new home, which is why I want to tell you about a brand that we absolutely love, which is Article. I have been a fan and a customer of Article for years. I'm always blown away by the curated assortment of furniture styles they offer. They have mid-century modern, coastal, industrial, Scandinavian, and even boho designs. There is something for everyone, no matter your taste. In our last house, we had their sofa and leather chairs. At our lake house, we have their dining table and chairs. We also just ordered some of their outdoor furniture for our new patio. Like, if you can't tell, we are obsessed with Article. The quality and style are top-notch. Article's online-only model means that they can offer some great prices with fast and hassle-free delivery. Pick the delivery time that works for you, and they keep you updated every step of the way. Article's customer care team is also amazing. They're knowledgeable, friendly, and always there when you need them. If you're like me and you're itching to give your home a makeover, I highly recommend checking out Article. They believe in delightful design for every home, and thanks to their commitment to style, quality, and affordability, it's never been easier to transform your space. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. To claim, visit article.com slash golddigger and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash golddigger for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more.